In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. Well, it's a little surprising you know, to, to hear this reply that by the same time, okay, it makes sense. We know that love is most important. But what is surprising is that love is expressed as a commandment. You really can't force somebody to love you. That if someone feels love is because they are forced, well then we know right away it's not, it's not love. So one of the most important aspects of love, what makes love love, is that it is, it is given freely. It is because you want to. It is because you, you choose to. So in our prayer then, it's a little confusing to say, well, Lord, how is it that you have made, made this love commandment. Well, okay, when our Lord gives us the commandments, it is not as though we are, he is sort of forcing us to do anything. It's not like do this or else that the church has always taught us that the commandments are an expression of natural law. So in other words, what God is telling us, do this if you want to be happy. If you want to be happy, do this. And so that it's not really a commandment, it's really a suggestion that is expressed, and you could say, in a way, in a way like, like a commandment. And in the pages of the Gospels, there are many examples where we see all the persons who have loved God with all their hearts, how things have, how they have prospered, how their family has, has, been, has been grown, how their lives have been fruitful. And then of, and we have examples of those who do not choose to love God. And in their lives there is division, there is disunity, and there is a lot of sadness. Well, well this is something that, you know, that also is present in our own lives. And so it's good for us to appreciate and maybe un and understand the commandment this way. You know, Lord, you are inviting us to love you. You want us to be truly happy. When you then want somebody to love you, what do you do? Well, first you try to make yourself lovable. So if something is not lovable, well then you cannot love that. So that, no, I can't remember where, but at one point St. Tusimaria says that I cannot love the devil because the devil, his whole being, his whole will is turned away from God. And so that's okay. And as much as he is a being, there's some good there. But you know, the, the devil is nothing we can say 
they're positive. It's all, everything is evil in the devil. Nothing you can say that's attractive or something that, you know, that is, that is good, that is there. And then also, if you want someone to love you, you also hope, you also love them. You try to, well, do things that show that you care. You try to be thoughtful. You, you keep them in mind. And, and so, you know, that person in some way sees and appreciates all that you do, you do for them. And they see, you know, what, you, what you're trying to do and all that you're trying to be. And you're trying to be a, a better person for them. And then what do you do? You, then you just hope that that person will love you in return. You cannot. There's not, there's not more you can do. Well, in a way, it's, you know, when you think about it, love is really a very risky business because no one likes you know, to know, well, I made all this effort to try to be good. I made all this effort to show love, to love another person, and then this other person just is indifferent, doesn't respond, doesn't reciprocate. Well, that's, that's, that's something that is um, very sad because no, but no one likes to feel rejected. So that love is, is always a, is a very risky business. Well, God took that risk with us. And that is something that is really amazing. We who are nothing, we who are poor creatures, our Lord has taken this risk with us. Lord, how good you are, that this is what you have done. That as you say we must love you, it is not, you don't force anything on us. It's just the opposite. That you have made yourself so lovable. And we know that there's nothing more lovable than God. That if we think of all the good things and the blessings here on earth, that all these things are just, we say, a poor shadow of who God is. You know, God is, if we think, we say, okay, someone who's loyal or faithful, look how much more God is loyal, how much is faithful. We say that someone is truthful. How much more God is truthful? We say that someone is is just generous or magnanimous. And how much more, Lord? How much more you are magnanimous and you are generous and self-giving? And something is just beautiful. Well, how much more? We can see that of everything here on earth is just a shadow of who God is and how and how beautiful God is. Well, Lord, you have done so much for us. You are the most lovable of all things. And then we say, well, who has loved us more than God? Well, Jesus died on the cross for us. And, well, he became man, first of all. He took on our human condition. A way of showing love is that solidarity with another person. He's saying, well, going through what another person is going through. And it was very you know, touching. The other day, I was you know, chatting with a fellow and and he was saying that that his wife was not not well, and it was really uh, really amazing. He says, you know, that I wanted to, I almost you know want to suffer with her. I love my wife so much. I, I feel bad that she's suffering, and, and I'm just like this. I want to I wanted to suffer suffer that with her. And wow, you hear that? He's just saying, wow, that's that's really that's really impressive. You know, that to see you know that there's someone cares about that, that other person. They want to ease their sufferings. They want, in some way, that solidarity with them, even in things that are difficult. Okay, I mean, it wasn't a, a life-threatening thing, but 
but nevertheless he just wanted to be united with her and everything and and that's what love 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 does you you want to share another person's life and not just the good things but you share even their troubles even their pains or their their, their joys but also their their sorrows well lord this is what you have done you've wanted to share everything our human weak human condition so you have shared our sorrows you say you've shared our weaknesses you've suffered you've been ridiculed you've been slandered persecuted abandoned betrayed all our sorrows that you have you have also shared and you shared our joys too in, the, in having in a family life and friendships and all these things but then and the ultimate manifestation of love you accepted to die on the cross so as to free us from our sin you took upon yourself our sins our weakness and our failures and you paid the price for it you redeemed us you, you saved us and so what more can your god do for you tonight to be convinced of how much he loves us and what's more he has stayed here in the blessed sacrament he stayed here in the eucharist and he wakes and he here there that he waits for us. Well, Lord, how much you have loved us. You are deserving of our love. And perhaps we can recognize that maybe we have not corresponded as we ought, as we ought you know, Lord, that you love us, but maybe I don't love you as well as I should. I fall short that, that I hold back. You deserve, you deserve more. And it's good that we tell our Lord that we want to love him more. Lord, I want to love you more. I desire to love you more. And that desire is good that we, just in our prayer, we try to see how we can convert that desire into deeds. It is very interesting as a life of St. Augustine. The, the St. Augustine, it's a kind of a life of someone who's just sort of aware of God's love reaching out, but resisting and, and holding back and but then finally he, he gave in and he realized that that you know to love God and to correspond to, to, to God's love is, is what really makes us happy. Because in a way that is what we were made for. And so there's that famous phrase of Saint Augustine who says, Lord our hearts were made from you, and they are restless until they rest in you. So when we love God by loving God, we are really doing our own selves a, a, a favor. And that is true, how true that is. Lord, our hearts were made for you. And they are restless until they rest in thee. You know, one of the things that, 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 you know, that also St. Augustine he would say, that after his conversion, and he experienced that, that joy of just you know, embracing that, that, that life of faith and hope and love, and then learning also just... How, how, how love builds community and adds on and enriches life. He, in his prayer, he would say, you know, Lord, late have I loved you, Lord. He felt he regretted that it had taken so long to love God. There are examples like that of other saints too. I was reading in, uh, it was in a meditation, and it was, I'm not sure, I think it was by Francis O'Carvajal, and he was telling a story about an old fellow and he was baptized later on in life. And when someone asked him, you know, how old are you? He would say, well, actually I'm just seven years old because he had been baptized seven years before. He says, because he says he counts the time that he has really been alive in these years of his baptism and when he has really tried to live his faith and live by faith, hope, and, and that supernatural virtue of love. Well, 
that's something that is something we can also apply to our lives. You know, Lord, that you know, where's where's my heart? That my heart was made for you, Lord, to love you. And also, I don't want to be like Saint Augustine. I don't want to be. He's a great saint, but like those who have to say, Lord, later have I loved you. No, that Lord, I want to love you, and I want to love you now. You know, one of the struggles that you know Saint Augustine had to love was was just having his heart in the right place. And sometimes that's where is where there is an obstacle. Our heart was made for God, Lord. Our heart was made for you to love, but at times. There are these disordered desires and these disordered passions which are fashioned together. It is by our pride, by also by our own rebelliousness and also by our sensuality. And that was the distraction. So his heart was going, was, it was going all over the place. And in a very special way, when St. Augustine, he talks about you know, the concupiscence, the, the, the flesh that, that took a hold on him. And then in some way, it was preventing him from just reaching for the higher goods. The heart was just not capable of feeling the attraction and being drawn by those gifts that are lasting and that are eternal and that, and that, are, and that were the beautiful because it was set on just this low meaning and mean and passing pleasures. Well, you know, St. Augustine, you know, he tells about that. It's, it's what he called the dark night of the flesh that he had to go through. And, you know, he says that sometimes, you know, he would go to our Lord, he would know, he would feel that tug, that, you know, that we long for what is pure and what is, what is beautiful. But his heart was nevertheless was not all there. And, and he would say, Lord, give me purity, grant me purity, but, but not right now, but not yet. <laughs> he would say, not yet. So it's sort of holding back from, from loving well, we have to be just, just the opposite. We have to say, Lord, free my heart and give me a heart that is pure and a heart that is good and that is a noble. And give me it now. Lord, give me a heart like that, like that now. Because otherwise we can grow old. We can grow old very quickly. Today is the, is the birthday of Fernando Ocaris, who is a prelate of Opus Dei. And one of the things that... Um, he wrote a letter just recently in September. And one of the things that he, he wrote in that letter, he was speaking about young people, and he was speaking about well, the, that how we can getting, you know, motivating young people to be inspired by that ideal of Christ. And one of the and the things that you know that he was you know, that he was speaking about there is that is that whole idea that you know that we cannot allow ourselves to grow old. That one of the characteristics of youth is that they give of themselves it's a, there's a sense of love it's a heart that was made for great ideals and that is in some way a characteristic of a young and a youthful heart you know you say well I want to really make things work hard and make a sacrifice to make things better because you have you have a dream you have a dream for better tomorrow you have a dream for what love can do can accomplish when people come together when they work together when they love each other and that's a youthful and a noble heart. And he was lamenting how uh, very often young people, perhaps with that attitude of St. Augustine, you know, Lord, give me purity, but not right now. Uh, when we start that, it's like there's an aging that takes, in, takes roots. You start aging on the inside. And you start becoming old and calculating and, and holding back and cynical. It's that, that not right now, that not right now. Well, well in our prayer, 
we must desire to be always young, always youthful, as the prelate is urging us to do. And that means saying, Lord, now, now, heart that is big, that is pure, that is noble, heart that is detached from the things of the earth, a heart that is ready to love, to give, to be filled with, to fill with that, with all those, those graces that God gives us. One of the things that, that St. Osa Maria would often say is that, that love is deeds and not sweet words. He actually had uh, received a very special grace regarding this point. It was a time in his life in which, I don't know if we say a time in his life, but um, there was, uh, well, you could say it was a time which was very difficult, the early years in Opus Dei. But he was, he said he had a bad cold, he was sort of slacking off a bit, and he was giving communion to some nuns. And he had this little game that he liked to play, just to serenade our Lord, if you want, to show his love for God. And as they came up for communion, he would say, Lord, I love you more than this one. I love you more than this one. It's not that he was putting anyone down. It's just that he didn't like to think that he was outdone in love. He had a desire to love God so much. And he knew that these nuns were very holy, very good, and very pious. But as he was giving them communion, he heard in his voice, in his heart, in a very real and a very powerful way, as though our Lord was telling him, deeds are love and not sweet words. Normally, supernatural things like this, he doesn't share, he didn't like to share with others because he's preached ordinary life and sanctification of ordinary life. But he knew that this was not just meant for him. It was something that he was to transmit to all those who would come to Opus Dei and to the means of formation to Opus Dei to the end of time. And he never stopped repeating then, my children, deeds are love and not sweet words, are something that he understood, he understood was to be part of or characteristic, we should say, of that style, that way that in Opus Dei we learn and we live this wonderful supernatural virtue of love. Deeds are love and not sweet words. Well, in a way, we can see how you know that you know the first commandment is linked to the second. So in the gospel, we know how the gospel, the gospel passage continues to unfold. He said to them, which is the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. And then he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. So that love is shown with deeds. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, well, we know how we love our, when we love our neighbor, because we love our neighbor, it is when we're making that person's life better. When we're helping things, that person, we want things to go well for them. It's something then it's good for us to stop and also to look at and to consider in our lives. You know, how is this, how are we loving with deeds? How are we loving with deeds? Uh, Saint Jose Maria, he would uh, explain a bit more. It's not, it doesn't mean then that we must, uh, when we say, okay, charity, you think of let's feeding the poor, you think of volunteering, you know, for some to maybe go and help in some natural disaster. Okay, those are, that is charity, certainly. You know, easing the, the pains and the sufferings of others. But St. Samaria, he would say, though, that, that really what people need and what people really appreciate is is that understanding, is that compassion, is that we take time out uh, 
to, to be with them, to, to, sh to show them that they are really important for us, that we put ourselves out for them. Well, that's where we show love, where we go out of our way you know, for, for them. So it's not just you know, giving something that might be easy to do or, or at times saying, you know, just say a few well, times of the year, you know, we kind of do something big and maybe many people can see it and praise us for it. And so we're really not sure well, how much, you know, the other, we probably benefited more from, you know, from that than others, than, than the people that we actually helped. But isn't it true that every day, every single day, there is a challenge to understand, to be patient, to be understanding with others, to well overlook their little defects, to be welcoming, to stop maybe interrupt the things that we're doing, to to, to be there with with others. And sometimes it's really amusing that you know you hear, you know, like the other day I was you know hearing this lady she was speaking. At first, you'd swear that it was a husband would actually turn out to be her pet. <laughs> you, know, you know, people love, they love their pets. They can't leave them alone, and you know who's going to feed them, and you know, and and oh, I love it. Oh, whenever he's always there with me, and when they come home, the time I just pull up, and he, they're, they're wagging their tail and they're jumping on the gates, and <laughs> you know, and so the people, they you know, they they love their pets. Because their pets are always welcoming, and and their pets are always, you know, will be uh, there to accompany them and follow them around all the time. <laughs> well, okay. The you know the point is is that is that you know, we're saying you know deeds are love and not and not sweet words. You know sometimes we can be you know we can be a little bit like that that we. We are harsh on others. We we're not understanding. We're not we're not compassionate. It's it's always sad you know, to see that at times you know that you know people can be so much have love their little things or their little circles or their or their pets. But then the people that God has placed at our side, you know, where is that? Where is that love? Where is that? You know, where is that affection? Where is that? You know, that concern. I remember once there was you know a lady who was saying that she that she was shopping one day and she saw a friend of hers in one of the aisles. So she so she thought to herself, you know, if I stop, this person I know likes to talk a lot and I'm in a rush and things I want to get done and so she said, Okay, let me just went you know, rush past this lane quickly so that uh, I wouldn't wouldn't be noticed, I wouldn't have to say hello to that person and then Try to just get on with what I want to do. Now, that's a very simple thing. But then later on, for some strange reason, that she started looking back at that situation and saying, but wait a minute, what happened there? You know, what, 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 what is my way of thinking? Where, is, where was charity? Why didn't I put myself out? Why wasn't I able just to put up a little bit with her defects? Don't I have defects too? Well, when you think about it, sometimes that can happen also in our own lives. It's good for us to really examine ourselves and to see, you know, do we is there a bit of a logic like that where we we're looking at other people's defects? The first thing she says was, Oh look, this person likes to talk a lot. This person is like that. You know, judging them, looking at their defects when their person probably has so many other positive qualities. 
And then the second thought, no pride. Well, putting me out is gonna, I'm gonna be um, sort of hindered in what I want to do. And then the result is to avoid, separate, turn away. And then there's no love there. But then, okay, it could have been, things could have been totally different. It could have been a different thought. You could say, hey, so-and-so says, wow, here is a gift from God. This is a, here's a person that, you know, that can do so much. Here, each life, each person is with the blood of Jesus Christ. But then you say, okay, she has some defects, but then I have defects too. And there's humility. And, and what her defects are just small can compare to mine. So, well, then what would be the result? You say, well, let me go. Let me go say hello. Maybe there's something I can learn. Together, we can build up, we, we can build a relationship here. Because I am needy, and that person has needs. If we help each other, we can have something more. And that's love. Well, is there a bit of that logic in our lives of avoiding, of turning away, you know, of indifference? It's really interesting when we turn to the pages of the Gospel and we see, we ask ourselves, you know, what, is the op- what does God tell us is the opposite of love? And the answer is not hatred. The answer is that indifference. Is that avoiding another? Is that harboring in our hearts some negativity, feelings to another? Is there someone like that in our life that we have a bad attitude towards? That when we think of them, that we dwell on, the, on, their, on their defects? Is there someone that we just we fail to show mercy or we have a very unforgiving attitude towards? And it's good for us to ask our Lord to change our hearts. But help me to teach me, teach me to love the way that you have come out to me, that you have loved me unconditionally, that you have loved me with a desire to make me to make something bigger. Or teach me to love and to overcome that indifference that just ruins things and have a desire to, to reach out, to say, well, well, let me help, let me help. Let me forget about myself a little bit and do something so I can make this person's life better. Because in doing that, we are also making our own lives better. When there is love, one plus one is always much, much greater than two. Because we're building a family, we're building a community together. And so, and God adds on and he blesses that. And we know that. We see it in the family. When husband and wife come together, how the family grows. And from that, there's an engine of the whole society, all, all of civilization, we can say, is, flows from the, from the love that is in the family. So, one plus one. It's just, it's, there's no limit to, to what we can achieve, all of us, and what we can become, and all that is added on to our lives when there is love. But let us take that risk. Let's not be afraid. It's risky. It's risky business to love. Maybe not to love you, Lord, because you are so good, but to love others, which is, which is also demanded of us. Let us take that risk. It's better to have loved and to have been hurt than not to have loved at all. For the heart of man was meant was meant to love, and without love, well, we cannot be happy. But let's go to Our Lady. She is the mother of fair love, asking her to win for us the grace that, the grace that we need so as to be more like our Lord in, in living out this, this great calling, this great vocation to, to love and to create in, around us also uh, communities and a civilization of love.
I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.